Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb, and a special warm welcome to any guests or visitors joining us on this beautiful 10th Sunday after Trinity as we rejoice this day, uh, as we'll have the baptism of Emory Jean Carpenter this morning. Uh, we rejoice in that blessed gift of baptism where God joins his word of promise to a visible element of water and gives to us forgiveness, life, and salvation, all the things which make for peace that Jesus won on the cross. And on that note, I will turn your attention to the inside of the back cover of the bulletin where we have a summary of our readings for the day. Our Lord wept over Jerusalem for the destruction that would soon come upon her, for she did not recognize the time of God's visitation in Christ who had come to bring her peace. Through his prophets, God had consistently called his people to turn from their deceit and false worship. But my people do not know the judgments of the Lord, Jeremiah wrote. They sought to establish their own righteousness rather than receive Christ's righteousness through faith. So it was that God was in his temple to cleanse it, a precursor to the once for all cleansing from sin, which he would accomplish in the temple of his own body on the cross. God grant us to know the things that make for our peace his visitation in word and sacraments, that by the Holy Spirit we may penitently confess Jesus is Lord. Well, we do rejoice also to be receiving the Lord's body and blood and the sacrament of the altar this day. And according to our Lord's word, he bids us to be in unity, not just in what we believe concerning the sacrament, but in all of what we confess as Christians. And therefore, uh, those who are not members of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we do ask that you refrain from receiving the sacrament of the altar this day. And of course, we do pray for that day when all divisions cease. If you are then a member of our congregation or of another one of our sister congregations joining us in that one common confession, we do invite you then forward to receive the Lord's body and blood on this day. The service is Divine Service Setting 3 as it begins on page 184. We'll now sing the first hymn and of course immediately following that then the rite of holy baptism. O oh God, you declare your almighty power above all in showing mercy and pity. Mercifully grant us such a measure of your grace that we may obtain your gracious promises and be made partakers of your heavenly treasures. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the 10th Sunday after Trinity is from Jeremiah chapter 8. You shall say to them, thus says the Lord, when men fall, do they not rise again? If one turns away, does he not return? Why then has this people turned away in perpetual backsliding? They hold fast to deceit. They refuse to return. I have paid attention and listened, but they have not spoken rightly. No man relents of his evil saying, what have I done? Everyone turns to his own course, like a horse plunging headlong into battle. Even the stork in the heavens knows her times, and the turtle dove, swallow, and crane keep the time of their coming. But my people know not the just decrees of the Lord. How can you say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us? But behold, the lying pin of the scribes has made it into a lie. The wise men shall be put to shame. They shall be dismayed and taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. So what wisdom is in them? 
Therefore, I will give their wives to others and their fields to conquerors, because from the least to the greatest, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. From prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among the fallen when I punish them. They shall be overthrown, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. The Epistle is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 19th chapter. When Jesus drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you, because you did not know the time of your visitation. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him, but they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were hanging on his words. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our sermon this day is based upon the gospel lesson. You know, in the Bible we hear a great deal about peace, whether it be the Hebrew word shalom or the Greek word erene. The biblical definition of peace is completeness, wholeness, welfare, and soundness. It has the context of the warfare being over, the battle being ended, swords beaten into plowshares. Now is the time of peace, of God dwelling with man in peace. In the beginning, when God created all things good and ultimately very good in the garden, there was perfect peace, perfect communion between God and man. When Adam and Eve fell to Satan's temptations and fell into sin, the world was suddenly devoid of peace. 
There's conflict, battle, dissension, disorder. In a moment, in an instant, all that had been created and declared very good, tov tov, was now corrupted by sin, subject to death and to decay. Because of sin, there's now hostility between God and man, between Adam and Eve, and between humanity and the created world. However, our Creator was still very much present. His first gospel promise was this, that a Savior born of woman would come, and he would crush the head of the evil serpent Satan and bring us everlasting peace. Century after century passed, and God kept repeating his promise, adding more and more detail here and there as he spoke to his Old Testament people through Moses and through the prophets. This virgin-born Savior would be our righteousness, our good shepherd, and yes, even our Prince of Peace. He would come from the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and be born in Bethlehem, the city of David, because he would come from the house and lineage of David. This King of Kings would also be a humble servant, who, as Isaiah prophesied, would bear our griefs and carry our sorrows. He would be stricken by God, smitten and afflicted. Ultimately, Jesus, the Christ, would be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, for upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. It was for unworthy, unholy sinners like you and like me that Jesus Christ was crucified. All we like sheep have gone astray, the prophet says. Such is the state of sinful man. Now the small catechism, drawing upon God's word, teaches us that because of sin, all people are spiritually blind, spiritually dead, enemies of God. We need God to make us alive. As Jesus says in the gospel lesson, we do not know the things that make for peace. However, God does. And it's here, in the crucifixion and resurrection of his son, our Savior, Jesus. In the gospel lesson, we find Jesus drawing near to the city of Jerusalem, and he's weeping over it. Now, this is particularly interesting because there's only two occasions in the gospels where Jesus cries, where it's recorded that he weeps. The most well-known is at the death of Lazarus. The other lesser-known event is here, in the gospel lesson today. Jesus weeps for Jerusalem. But why? Well, he says, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. You see, Jesus weeps because the people of Jerusalem and indeed, a majority of God's Old Testament people had rejected the things which make for peace. Namely, they re- the people rejected their long-promised Savior and Messiah. Jesus knew what was going to take place once he entered Jerusalem. This was God's plan of salvation since before the foundations of the world were laid. God had spoken to his people Israel for centuries through Moses and the prophets, and yet so many missed the time of the Lord's visitation. They did not see with eyes of faith. They did not hear with ears of faith. They did not believe Jesus was the promised Savior, the fulfillment of the promise spoken all the way back in the garden. As for Jesus' words about Jerusalem's enemies, the barricades and the destruction of the people, well, he was speaking of the impending fall of Jerusalem, which would occur in 70 A.D. Roman soldiers would surround and siege the city. The Jerusalem temple would be destroyed. The people, men, women, children, young and old, they were all torn down to the ground. 
to quote the Lord, they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jerusalem was to be utterly destroyed. Jesus weeps for them because they did not know the time of their, as he says, visitation. They didn't know that God the Son, who is himself the temple, the holy of holies, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, they did not know that God had visited them to save them. And so Jesus weeps because of their unbelief and because of the fruit which it will bear. You see, all which was undone at the fall of man, all of the fruit of sin, hostility between God and man, between Adam and Eve, between humanity and the created world, all of these things, they were dealt with once and for all right here on the cross as Christ was crucified. What truly makes for peace? The crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Now, how is this peace which he won delivered to you? Exactly how he promised in his word and in his sacraments. You see, on the cross, Jesus ended the hostility between God and man by taking all of our sin, all of your sin, and all the punishment for it in his flesh on the cross. He did it in our place. St. Paul writes this. He says, For our sake, he, that is God the Father, made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. That from 2 Corinthians 5. Regarding this peace with God, which we have in and through Christ Jesus, St. Paul also writes this. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Through Jesus, we have complete peace, shalom, wholeness, completeness. Irene, that well-being of body and soul with God. It is also through Jesus that we have peace with one another. In Ephesians 4, we are told, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Jesus has also taught us to pray, Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. In Christ, there is true, complete, and total peace. On the day he returns, we will rejoice as all believers in Christ will enter the eternal paradise promised to us. Paradise restored, peace restored. See, in a way, it's the ultimate happy ending, only this one's actually true. It's not just some fairy tale. So then, beloved in the Lord, I'll ask you, do you know the things which truly make for peace? Now, I wouldn't blame you if you answered saying, well, yeah, pastor, you just told us, right? But that's not what I'm getting at. Until Jesus returns and the Lord calls you from this earthly life, all believers in Christ are journeying through this sinful world. This place is a war zone, a battleground. And so I'll ask you, do you know the things which make for peace while living in this sinful world? You know that the right answer is Jesus, but do you know what that looks like in your day-to-day life? For instance, when you crave peace or when you feel a disturbing lack of peace, where do you go? To whom and to what do you turn? See, the reason why I ask this question is because we know what we're supposed to say. As Christians, we're supposed to say that we always turn to Jesus. We always go to his word and receive his sacraments for peace. However, I don't want you to give a pious answer just because it makes you feel good or because the person next to you might think, oh, how holy they are, or because it's what you're supposed to say because you're in church. See, there's too much at stake here. We have a common enemy, Satan, 
who wants nothing more than for you to turn away from Jesus and to look to anything, absolutely anything else, for your peace, your hope, and your salvation. Now make no mistake about it. Satan was defeated and overcome on the cross. His head is crushed. He is like a wounded general running from the battle because he knows his days are done. He is like a prowling lion, Peter tells us. Roaming around, roaring, searching for someone to devour He wants to overcome us with his lies. The promise from Jesus is that he cannot snatch us out of our hands, but you see that sinful nature wants to believe every lie that comes forth from the father of lies. And so you cannot forget that until you are in paradise, you are living in a spiritual war zone. We live in a world that rages against Christ and the sure and certain promises of his word, of his gospel. The sinful world will promise you a false peace in all kinds of things. And we've heard a great deal about money and possessions the last couple of weeks in the readings. But the world also promises peace in the approval of others and the appearance of a perfect life on social media. The world promises peace in political correctness and becoming woke or in political activism. When COVID was back at its peak, the world promised you peace in the wearing of masks and the receiving of vaccines. And ironically, depending on who you listen to or There were promises also out there that you're going to receive peace by not wearing masks or not being vaccinated. Peace is promised to those who bury their head in the sand and ignore their civic responsibilities to their families and their neighbors. And let us not forget that peace is also promised in all the old familiar places as well. Drugs, sex, alcohol, name your addiction, gambling, even fame. Just as we heard in the Old Testament lesson, there is no shortage of false worldly prophets who will speak peace, peace, when there is no peace. This world does not know the things which make for peace. And so, dear saints, if you think watching 10 more minutes of news is going to give you the peace you crave, you're going to be disappointed. If you keep on just death scrolling on your phone, thinking that somewhere, somehow that peace is going to come to you, you're going to be disappointed. It's not there. If you think that that big purchase that you've been saving up for a while, that's really going to give you true lasting peace, it won't. If you think that your tried and true pet sin that you keep on going back to is actually going to deliver this time and bring you lasting peace and satisfaction, you're going to be disappointed again. Jesus alone knows the things which make for peace. His body broken for you, his blood shed for you, True peace is given and received in the gifts of Christ, which he freely gives to you, poor, miserable sinners. You whom he, whom he has redeemed by his blood. The gifts that he bought with his innocent suffering and death on the cross. In these things, there's peace. In baptism, the absolution of Christ, the holy supper of Christ's body and blood. These gifts bring peace, which surpasses understanding. These gifts guard your heart and your mind as a watchman stands guard over a city on the walls day and night. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus spoke these words to his disciples immediately before his arrest, trial, and crucifixion. He won true peace for you and for me and the whole world. Think about it. Jesus, the perfect sinless Son of God, he left heaven. It was already perfect there. He took upon himself human flesh for you. He lived. He fulfilled the law perfectly. 
He died and rose from the dead and has ascended to the right hand of the Father. And that's all for you. That's all for your benefit. Why? In order that you would have peace both now and for all eternity. This is the incredible love God has for sinners like you and like me. St. John says this. He says, in this the love of God was revealed among us. That God sent his only son into, into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Therefore, dear saints, instead of turning to the things which promise peace but never deliver, repent and receive the gifts of Christ, his word, his absolution, his holy supper. Receive from your Lord the peace he wants you to have, precisely where and how he promises to give it. Remember the promises God made to you in your baptism, just as we saw with Emory Jean today. All those baptized into Christ, you have a new identity. Everybody's talking about that nowadays. You have a God-given identity. You are God's child. He's put his name on you, baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That is who you are, redeemed in Christ Jesus. You are children of peace. That is, those whom Christ has claimed as his own. You are God's beloved ones, his treasured possessions. And so as children of God, take time to read God's word daily. Sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. Read his word. If you need a place to start, well, start at the Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest of all four Gospels. And if you take about five minutes a day to read the Gospel of Mark, you'll have it completed in about two weeks or less. That's an hour and 20 minutes well spent. If you have children at home, regardless of their age... Read the Bible together as a, excuse me, as a family. If your children are younger, read a Bible story and pray the Lord's Prayer together after supper, before bed, maybe both. Take some time and rest in the word and promises of God. See, God's chosen way of speaking to you is in his word that you might have certainty that this is what he has said. This is what he has spoken. Not some still small whisper in your heart, in your mind, or in your imagination that could be indigestion. Pick up the Bible. Then you know you have the word of God. The same word of God creates and feeds saving faith in Christ Jesus. And come also to where Jesus delivers his gifts, to the Lord's house, to the divine service. Because here your faithful prince of peace, he calls you to his father's house to confess your sins and to rest in his mercy, forgiveness, and peace. Jesus speaks peace to you in his word preached and taught. The Holy Spirit takes that same word and it tucks it into your heart and into your mind. And were that not enough, Christ feeds you with the very bread of peace here at his table. The supper of his body and his blood given and shed for you, for your pardon, for your salvation. Thanks be to God, folks. It's really not all that complicated. The things which make for peace are our Lord's gifts of peace, which he longs to give to you. His word purely taught. The sacraments faithfully given. In these you have what is most needful, for in these you receive Christ. In his holy and most blessed name, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Prince of Peace. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. In thanksgiving for Christ, in whom we know the things that make for peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For the church on earth, 
that filled by the Holy Spirit, we would not lie about our sin and defile God's temple, but follow his ways by caring for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, defending the blood of the innocent and turning away from all other gods. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all servants in the church, that blessed with a variety of gifts from the one Holy Spirit, each may use them for the common good of God's people. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the family and all godly Christian homes, that God would give parents diligence and persistence in their duties to teach the faith in word and example, and that he would keep all children in his promise made to them in their baptism, and that the patience, kindness, and endurance of Christian love would have no end among us. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the baptized, especially Emery Jean, that the Holy Spirit would keep us as the apple as the apple of our Father's eye, and hide us under the shadow of his wings, ever rejoicing in the vindication that is ours through faith in Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord For the government and those given authority to break and hinder the plans of the wicked and reward and encourage whatever is righteous and good, that through them God would bring about his good and gracious will. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord for all who call to God from hearts in anguish and with anxiety and depression, suffering from the terrors of death and overwhelmed by horror, including those we now name in our hearts. That casting all their burdens on the Lord, they would receive his peace and healing now and eternal salvation in the life to come. Let us pray to the Lord. For all those in need of healing, especially John Motman, that according to the Lord's gracious will, he would speed healing and recovery, and above all, grant strong faith in Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the ancient people of our merciful God, that they would acknowledge Jesus Christ to be the light of truth and so be delivered from darkness. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who receive the Lord's Supper this day, that they would know the time of the Lord's visitation at the cross and in this sacrament, and so be made ready for his time of visitation on the last day. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We know that these petitions are pleasing to you, Heavenly Father, and that you hear them for the sake of Christ Jesus, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Well, again, welcome to you this morning. We uh, have a handful of announcements, the first of which, of course, being that Sunday School and Bible Study will immediately follow the service here. Uh, this coming Tuesday, Women's Theology on Tap at 7, and then Wednesday, a full, uh, full schedule this week. We have our Lutheran Confession Study Group at 9 in the morning, workout class at 6 p.m., and then men, please note, this Wednesday, this month, uh, we're having Theology on Tap on a Wednesday, and that'll still be at 7 p.m., so I do hope to see you there. A couple of additional things not noted there in the bulletin. Uh, we have a need of Sunday school teachers, as you heard during the service. We have a, a great you know, blessing of children in our congregation. It's awesome. Thanks be to God. Uh, so we do need additional Sunday school teachers. If you are interested in serving in that capacity, 
please contact Jacob and Mara Nolker, and they'll be happy to uh, discuss that with you. Also, uh, financial reports are available on the glass case just out here from our most recent uh, voters' assembly, so please see those if you, uh, if you have interest. Uh, also, midweek school and confirmation class, they do begin the Wednesday after Labor Day, so that's September 7th. That's coming up here soon. And of course, we're looking forward to that great privilege of teaching children the Word of God uh, in this coming year. Uh, wanted to, to note this also. There's an additional quote I added in the bulletin from another Lutheran pastor about this uh, uh, gospel lesson, which we had. I really do appreciate the, uh, the readings this day. Um, such a contrast of how there's nothing we can do on our own to save ourselves, but Christ Jesus is our peace, is our righteousness, as we also confess in the hymns. Uh, thanks be to God, of course, for the baptism of King Carpenter. And give thanks to God for that blessed gift. Any other announcements that I may have missed? Okay, well, seeing none, I'll greet you at the door. Go in peace, go in peace as God's forgiven children.